Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Open your Bibles this morning if you would. We're going to be talking today about well-rehearsed lies. Well-rehearsed lies. What in the world? Well, you know, there are a lot of lies that the devil tells, and a lot of them are very well-rehearsed. There are a lot of lies that this world wants us to believe. I mean, there are lies. There are, there are everything from religious lies to, to, uh, to uh, uh, political lies. You know, lies that the devil wants you to believe about yourself or believe about your neighbor. And sometimes these things are so well-rehearsed that uh, they, they just seem to make sense. You know, at times the devil will even try to get you to believe a well-rehearsed lie about the Word of God. Sometimes when, 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 when people do something maybe they should not have done, you know, uh, uh, they, they come up with a reason why they did it. And a reason why, you know, it's, it's, it's understood. I mean, I, I have a reason. You know, reasons don't give rights, by the way. But sometimes uh, when someone is doing something they shouldn't do, the devil will help them to formulate a lie. And they will even start believing it themselves. And if you ask them about it, it's so well rehearsed. They'll just tell you, well, yeah, but this is why. I mean, don't you under? I can't believe you don't understand and agree with why I'm doing this. You know, because it's so well rehearsed. But just because it's well rehearsed, you know, does not mean it's the truth. Uh, you know, you don't have to go very far. Just turn on the television to find some people, you know, just chanting their political views uh, with well rehearsed talking points <laughs> and uh, well rehearsed lies. We don't have to believe it just because it's said often or it's said with passion or conviction, or just because it looks like the person that's telling it looks like they believe it. Resist those well-rehearsed lies. Well, if you'll turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, we're going to be going to John the 8th chapter. And uh, uh, as you're finding that passage, allow me to read some scriptures from the Old Testament, okay? As you turn to John 8, allow me, if you would, to read from Deuteronomy, reading from the law this morning. Verse 22, if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die. The man that lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall put away the evil from Israel. 23, if a young woman who is a virgin betrothed to a husband, uh, if a man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry out in the city and the man, because he humbled his neighbor's wife, so shall you put away the evil from among you. Whoop! Does that sound just a little bit harsh? It does, doesn't it? Of course it does. A lot of that law stuff sounded harsh to me. A little scary, in fact. Wow. Especially since Jesus categorized adultery as just even thinking about someone. Wow. Well, there are two things this morning I want you to consider as we go through this word today. One is, I want you to put yourself into this story somewhere. Find where you fit in this story. Because every story in the Bible 
is meant for us. It's a roadmap for our lives. And we can find ourselves somewhere in the story. Now, if you find yourself in the story and, you know, you don't like that image, you have a chance to change. You have a chance to rewrite your story. You know, we'll not be able to rewrite the truth. But you will have a chance to rewrite your story. So our goal today, number one, is to find ourselves somewhere in this story. Number two, our takeaway from today should be that Jesus came to stand between us and the law. Jesus came, praise God, to stand between us and judgment. <laughs> Isn't that a pretty good deal? I mean, think about it. That's just a pretty good deal. Jesus came. Our takeaway today is that Jesus is standing between us and what we deserve <laughs> if we let him. Amen? Okay. Are you ready with John chapter 8? What I read in Deuteronomy 22, that portion of the law, is the portion of the law that these scribes and Pharisees were referring to one morning whenever they brought a woman to Jesus as Jesus was teaching in the temple, okay? They came, and let's, let's just read this, okay? In John chapter 8, verse 2. Now, early in the morning, Jesus came again into the temple. Now, the temple is like the church. Early in the morning, Jesus came into the church. He came into the temple. This is holy ground. It's a sanctified place. It's a place where worship and word is, 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 is expressed. He came into the temple, and what did Jesus do? Well, all the people came to him, and Jesus sat down, and he taught them. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have a place where you could go, like to church, and the living word would be teaching you the word. <laughs> I mean, he was the word and he was teaching them the word. Reckon what he was teaching. Well, you know, if you'll put yourself in there, in that spot, can you imagine? Perhaps you're one of the people that he's teaching here this morning in this story. You know, maybe you're one of the onlookers or one of the bystanders. You know, find yourself somewhere in the story. Here, perhaps, you know, Jesus is, is teaching the people. We can look at Matthew and, and, and Mark and John and Luke, and, and we can see some of the bigger things that Jesus perhaps was teaching. We know for a fact that Jesus was using the Old Testament because there wasn't a New Testament. We know he was teaching out of the Old Testament. And we know he was teaching about the love, the mercy, and the forgiveness of God. We know that. We know that Jesus was teaching out of the Old Testament and even using the law to teach about a Messiah that would come and stand between them in judgment. Woo! Don't you know this was good stuff? The Bible said that, that people had never heard this before. I mean, they had been coming to church all of their lives and they had been hearing a pretty harsh word about do this and you're going to get hurt and you do that and you no 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 but now they were hearing not that Jesus agreed with sin but they were hearing that he came to absolutely stand between them and the judgment they deserved if they would just accept the gospel and accept the messiah wow amazing can you imagine being in that sunday school class you know well Verse 3, 
as, he's, as Jesus is, is preaching in church, he's teaching in church. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst. Now, okay. Every time we read the Bible, God wants us to ask questions. The Holy Spirit is begging us to put ourselves in the situation and look around. Realize that these are just people. And they're just like the people we know. And they're just like us. It wasn't some other, you know, kind of creation. No, no, creation. These are human beings sitting in church, listening to the living word of God. And all of a sudden there's an interruption. And the Holy Spirit is hoping we will ask some questions. The Holy Spirit is hoping that we can make some sense out of what's going on. And that we can make application of it in our lives. When I read this story, as I read every story, I want to know a little bit more about I want to find out how it really fits my life and my situation. And so, you know, here, here's one question that, 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 that I would have if I were there that day. I would have a question of, uh, why are these scribes and Pharisees bringing this woman into church? Don't they know? I mean, they know the law. They were supposed to take her to the gates of the city and stone her with stones. Nowhere in the Bible did it say, bring her to the temple. It said, take her to the gates of the city and stone her. So I would be wanting to know, well, why they bring her here? A second thing I'd want to know is, where's the guy? I mean, the Bible said, take both of them. I mean, did, could, they couldn't chase him down? I don't know. Did they give him a pass? Did they already take him out and stone him? I'd be wanting to know because we just read the law they were referring to. It said both of them. But they don't have the guy. I'd also be wanting to know, what are they doing interrupting church with this stuff? This stuff don't belong in church. Had they never read the law and the will of God, they knew the word that says that the sound of the hammer should never be heard in the sanctuary, that church is no place to be judging and criticizing and accusing and slapping people around or stoning people in the church. What are they doing bringing that in here? Church is no place to air your dirty laundry. Church is no place to start accusing people. Church is no place to come to trying to get God to kill somebody for you. <laughs> so I'd be a little bit perplexed were I there that day. Huh. I would imagine pretty quickly as I was looking at that, thinking, okay, why didn't they stone her? Where's the guy? What are they doing bringing this in here? I'd be thinking this is a setup. This sounds like the devil to me. It doesn't sound like God. It sounds like that somebody is being led by the devil. Trying to do the devil's will. First of all, you don't interrupt the living word. But 
Let's continue. Verse 4. These scribes and Pharisees that brought this woman and put her in the midst, they, they said to Jesus, Teacher, now they're recognizing him as a rabbi, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Last time I knew anything, it took two. Again, where's the guy? Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. See, they knew what they were supposed to do. Take her to the gates of the city and stone her. But what do you say? Yep, this is a setup, okay? This is what I like to call well-rehearsed lies. Reckon how long it took this group of people to decide how can we get him? How can we get him? And how can we get him out of here? How can we vote him out of here? Oh, come on. This is good stuff. <laughs> well, verse 6. This they said, testing Jesus. Listen, they did not care one bit for the law. They did not care one bit for the woman. They must have cared about the man because they let him go. They did not care one bit for the preaching of the word of God, for interrupting the word that was getting into people's hearts and into people's lives. They didn't care. They believed that it was best for them to keep their power and what they wanted instead of letting Jesus become more important. This they said, testing Jesus, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. You know, sometimes it may seem like Jesus is not listening, but he always is. <laughs> I love the fact that, that, that Jesus, uh, you know, uh, you know, He's his own man. Okay? You know, whenever the storm was raging on the sea, you remember the disciples were in the ship and, and it looked like the ship was going to sink. The Bible says Jesus went walking on the water on the Sea of Galilee and he made as though he was going to walk on by them. That's what the Bible said. And they saw he's just going to walk on by and they cried out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he turned around and came and got in the ship. And the storm ceased. Here, Jesus is acting like he's not listening. I mean, they're just, these religious folks have some, you know, they have a well-rehearsed lie. They, 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 they got him in a, in, a, in a bear trap clothes. They got him in a catch-22. There's nothing he can do here. But what does he do? He just stoops down and begins to write with his finger in the sand. Wow. It may sound like, or it may feel like sometimes Jesus is not listening, but as I said, he always is. And he always has a word for us. Many times he's just waiting for a moment that we really give him our attention so that he can tell us what he wants us to hear. Verse 7. Now Jesus is just stooping down, writing, saying... 
So when they continued asking Jesus, he raised himself up and he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now, in all the decades that I have been in church and all the preachers and sermons I've heard on this particular subject, most of them kind of paint Jesus as the guy that is being a little snarky. Is snarky a word? Yeah. He's being just a little bit, uh, you know, you know, just poking him a little bit, you know. Sarcastic, maybe. That here he is, he's really, you know, kind of just mm, twisting the knife in him or something. But that's not the reality. You see, Jesus is answering them with a truth. A truth, a humble, honest truth that is going to be carried by the Holy Spirit into their hearts and into their minds so that they will not be able to deny that truth. And he's going to give them a little time to think about it. You see, there's only one person among them that is without sin. And here he is saying, let him who is among you who is without sin, and that was Jesus, the Messiah, that was the only one without sin, let him be the judge of these things. Let him stand between her and her accusers. Let him be that one that if anybody throws a stone, he's the only one who qualifies. And then the Bible says, you know, as he said, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. What he's saying, he's saying leave the judgment of other people's sins up to him. Verse 8 says, he again stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, a lot of messages have been preached on what Jesus was writing. I don't know what he was writing. I've heard it said that he was writing their sins on the ground. I've heard it said maybe he was writing the names of the women that they were lusting after. I don't know what he was writing. No one does. But I think what Jesus was doing was giving a little time for the truth to sink in. Because whatever he was writing we know it made some impact in their lives because, verse 9, then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, it does not say, nor should we imagine, that those who heard what he said was condemned, that they were condemned for their convictions but rather they were convicted in their conscience. You see, condemnation is what men do. Condemnation is what the devil does. Condemnation is what this world does. Conviction is a work of the Holy Spirit because it changes them from the inside out. 
these men, each one of them, as Jesus stooped down and gave a little time and went back to let those words sink in, to let that anointing have its impact, to let that truth settle in their hearts, each one of them began one at a time to be convicted in their conscience and went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Nowhere do we hear Jesus condemning these men. He simply told them the truth that only someone without sin can cast the first stone. Because I came, I'm here. It's a new day. Messiah is here. And I'm standing between her and the judgments of her sin. Jesus, in an honest, caring, loving correction, as I said earlier, the Bible says that when someone is corrected, no correction is pleasurable for the moment. If you have ever been corrected, or perhaps in your future, maybe this week, I don't know, maybe, maybe you know, your parent... Uh, maybe your boss, maybe a supervisor, maybe a policeman. I don't know. But this week, it's possible that one of you will experience correction. And remember, when you receive correction, that the Bible says no correction is pleasurable for the moment. But afterwards, Hebrews 12 says... It yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. He's allowing them some moments of correction. And I'm certain that they felt challenged to begin with. But he's such a gracious, humble, loving, caring Messiah that instead of pointing his finger at them or letting fire come out of his eyes, he just told them the loving truth and he began riding in the sand. They went out. You know, truth presented in a humble way. And you may be called upon at some point to instruct someone or to correct them. When you do, take this as a picture of the way you should approach correction with humility and without condemnation, without criticism and without rejection. Rather, allowing the truth of what you're saying instead of the fussing that you want to do, the truth of what you're saying, allow it to settle on someone. Give them just a little time. Give them a moment and allow the change that needs to take place to come from the inside. Verse 10, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, just to take notice here, Jesus did not say, hey, don't worry about your sin. He didn't say your sin's okay. He didn't say, I understand. He didn't say you've had a hard life. Bless your heart. You know, hey, look, you know, he didn't say, hey, nobody's perfect. He didn't agree with her sin. He didn't make excuses for her sin. And he did not excuse her sin. What he did was give her the truth. He didn't say, oh, weren't those men horrible? Those men that brought you here, weren't they? I mean, they're just critical and judgmental and they're wrong. No, 
He's not into condemning anybody. He's into setting the captives free. You see, it's the world that will condemn you. It's, it's the devil that will condemn you. It's, it's your own guilt that will condemn you. Jesus came to set the captives free. And that comes because of the truth of Almighty God that falls upon our hearts in critical times when we are needing a Savior, when we are needing deliverance, when we are needing someone to tell us you're wrong. That's sin. And if you will allow the Savior, he will come and stand between you and the judgment that you are due. Well, that's some good preaching. I should get loud more often. <laughs> Jesus gave her the gospel. The gospel of John 3, 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Salvation is the most important thing to God that you can ever receive. And it only comes through Jesus. No one else is without sin. No one else can save you. No one else can deliver you. There is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. He has given a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, including sin and judgment. Every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus stands between sin and the repentant heart. He will never condemn you. But oh, that we would open our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit and the truth of his word to convict our conscience. Oh, to God this morning that you would hear him calling out to you Come, let me wash your soul. Let me cleanse your mind. Let me feed your spirit. That we would hear him crying out, I have so much more for you than what the world will offer you. You can be saved once for eternal life but you can be saved every day from that governing power and from the judgment and from the penalties in this life of sin. The devil wants to rob you of an eternity with Christ, but he also wants to rob you of a daily walk with Christ. He wants to rob you of the blessings that God is willing to pour out on those who are right with him. Righteousness, holiness, purity of mind and heart and body are still a part of the word of Almighty God and his will for you. Not that he will condemn you. Not that he will forsake you. But rather that. He wants to save you and deliver you. Today, if you are not born again, you might say, preacher, you say this every week. That's because sinners are being born every day. 
we will never finish our job. And it's also because the devil has well rehearsed lies and he is lying to you. He is doing his best through television, through radio, through print media, through friends, through people who don't like you, people who aren't like, he's doing his best to sell you a bill of goods and to get you off track with God. He is doing his best to make you so busy that you don't have time to worship and, and to present yourself before the word of God. The reason why we say this every week is because we have made a commitment that not one person will fall under the sound of the sermon on a Sunday morning in this house without feeling the clear opportunity of the love of Christ to be saved. Or to be saved again. Not eternally, but from the hell of this life. Today, would you just allow the Holy Spirit to convict your conscience if necessary? Would you find yourself somewhere in that story? An onlooker, a bystander, one of the players, one of the speakers, one of the scribes, one of the religious, you know, religion will condemn you. There's a relationship that's been offered. And today it is as simple as saying, Lord Jesus, I recognize I need a savior. I ask you into my heart, forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. It's that simple to be born again. But it's also just as simple for the saved child of God to say to God today, forgive me. Come, Lord Jesus. Convict me of my sins. And deliver me from the hell that I am causing. Today he will do that. And this week, perhaps you can find yourself in a place where you can be a light and an example to someone else, but never a condemnation, never a judge, never someone who criticizes or rejects. When you bring someone to church, like these guys did, it was the best thing they could do for her was to bring her to Jesus. But it ended up being the best thing they could do for themselves because in the process, they felt the love, the forgiveness, the encouragement, and I believe it changed their lives forever. I'm praying today changes yours.